0: Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Tuesday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us today. This is a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church, and we are really, really glad that you support this broadcast by listening. And uh, I want to let you know that if you need a place to worship, if you're looking for a church home, uh, why don't you come on out to 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia, and come on out and check us out at Hickory Ridge Community Church. Uh, we have morning services at nine and ten thirty, and uh, we are now inside. We were doing drive-in church, but we're now inside for both of our services. So uh, we have a great ministry for the kids called Ridge Kids for both of our morning services, and then we have our Ridge Students, which is our youth ministry. And uh, I tell you what, Pastor Jimmy would love to meet your teenagers and our children's director Aaron Manax would love to meet your children. Uh, We have a wonderful ministry called the Awana Ministry that meets on Wednesday nights at 6.30. We have youth group on Wednesday night at 6.30. So much happening. I can't tell you everything that's happening at Hickory Ridge Community Church because every day there's something going on. We are a seven day a week church and we have an early learning center. Uh, We have the Hickory Ridge Academy that goes up to K5. If we can help you in any way, please feel free to give us a call. Uh, The church Number is 757 421 or you can go on our website HRCC7 to number 7.org. Well, yesterday we started a message talking about being justified by faith. And I ask you a simple question Have you been justified? Have you been born again? You know, justification is such a wonderful doctrine, and I know most people don't like to talk about doctrine because they think it's kind of boring. And I want you to know, uh, sometimes doctrinal studies can be boring, and usually they're boring because it's somebody who is a boring person uh, that is talking about it, but this is the most exciting doctrine in the Bible, in my opinion, because without being justified by faith, we have no relationship with God. We'll be separated from Him forever. We will die and be separated from Him for all of eternity. Now, that's a real sad thought, isn't it? But I want you to know, because of what Christ has done for us, we have been declared justified. So let's jump right into Romans chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 11, and I'm going to share with you three reasons you ought to be really excited because you've been justified by faith. You have God's peace, you have God's power, and you've got God's purpose. But let's read the text, and then we'll explore that a little bit deeper, okay? Verse number one, therefore. Now, I had an old seminary professor who used to always tell me, whenever you see a therefore in the text, you ought to see why it's therefore. Why is that word therefore there? Well, the last verse of Romans chapter four, the last word found in the previous chapter on the last verse is the word justification. So Paul ends chapter four talking about justification, uh, but he's not quite done with this topic. So he says, therefore, or he says, since you've been justified, another way of looking, at it says, let us who have been justified by faith have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's talking about this as byproduct that comes once we've been declared just as if we've never sinned by God Almighty, made possible through our Lord Jesus Christ. When this happens, we have peace with God, not through our efforts, but because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. This is this element of faith. You know, Paul later on says in Romans chapter 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. There is this component of accessing God's grace through faith. My confidence, not in me, but in Christ. Paul says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Now, this is a a verse I wish I had more time to develop, verse number three, because Paul is making up this argument and saying, if you've been justified by faith, if you have been at peace with God, whenever you're going through difficulties, you look at those difficulties, you respond to those difficulties much differently. You go through them and you actually glory in your sufferings. Why? Because I'm at peace with God. My confidence is in Him. He has declared me just as if I've never sinned. And because of that declaration, I'm not looking at my sufferings as something that I'm getting in return for my bad behavior. I'm looking at the fact that God is allowing me to go through sufferings because it's going to produce something in me. It is not just chastening. It is producing. Paul says, well, we're at peace with God because we've been justified by Christ The sufferings that we go through produce perseverance. God wants us to have perseverance in our lives. And the only way that we can have perseverance is when pressure is placed upon us. He says perseverance also produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. I love verse number six. Paul says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely, says Paul, would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, you know, somebody might possibly die. But God demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have not been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Oh, I love that. God's wrath will never be poured upon us as followers of Christ because God's wrath was already poured out on Christ. That was why his blood was shed because it was the pouring out of God's wrath upon his one and only son. And then verse number 10. For if, while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled through Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Uh, Well, yesterday, I shared with you five things that we need to know about justification, and let me give those to you quickly. I'm not going to give you the references. I gave you all the references yesterday in in the broadcast, but I want to review these with you quickly, okay? Uh, Number one, justification by faith, it's a whole Bible doctrine from Genesis to Revelation. Justification by faith, it's another way of saying that we are saved, but we're not saved by our works. Our faith is in Christ who brings about justification. Number three, when we say we're justified by faith, it doesn't mean that our faith is the ultimate cause of our justification. No, it's Christ who is the cause of our justification. If Jesus never died on the cross, I would never be justified, no matter how much faith I had in believing that I could be justified. It is made possible only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Number four, justification by faith affirms that good works will follow our faith. You see, when I've been radically changed by Christ, I can't help but do good works. I've been saved to do good works. I'm not saved by good works. I am saved for good works. And then number five, justification by faith brings glory to God. Now, if you think somehow, some way you have anything to do with your salvation, you are mistaken. In Romans chapter four, verse number 20, it says, "'No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God.'" It's talking about Abraham. Abraham was given that promise that he was going to be the father of many nations. As a matter of fact, there's going to be so many descendants of Abraham that it'd be greater than the stars in the heaven, more numerous than the sand in the seashore, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Even Abraham's unbelief could not change the promise of God. Isn't that good news? Even when my faith is wavering, God's promise is not wavering, my salvation goes back to bringing glory to Christ In Christ alone. I want you to know that when you've been justified by faith, there are three things that God gives you. Number one, you get God's peace. That is initiated by the fact that I have this peace that is not a feeling. It's immediate. I may not recognize it immediately, but it happens immediately. You're at peace with God. You know, there's so many things in life that we don't even realize uh, from the beginning that we have such a wonderful gift that is given to us. I think about marriage. My wife and I have been married for 32 years. It is wonderful to be in a long-term marriage. The trust is there. Uh, we have that confidence with each other. And, uh, you know, uh, whenever I do wedding ceremonies, I tell people, I says, when well, you get married, you get married with the mindset that we're going to be together till death do us part. And so uh, I don't think that you ought to, when you get married, I don't think you ought to have a prenuptial agreement. Uh, I think that's unbiblical because two become one. Now, listen, if you can't trust the person that you're married with and you say, well, I got to have uh, an escape plan here just in case things don't work out, why do you even get married, right? Listen, if you can't trust somebody with your financial wealth, if you can't trust somebody with your large inheritance, whatever that is then why would you marry that person? I look at it like this, to become one. We have a wonderful marriage. I want you to know, I didn't realize how great our marriage was in the beginning days. No, I didn't. I kind of took it for granted. And it's taken me a long time just to realize what a blessing I have. It's the same with God's peace. You know, you may not realize the level of peace that you have with God when you first are converted. But when you walk with the Lord for the wise said, man, this is great. This is the fact of God's peace. It's not a feeling of this peace. Now listen, feelings are fleeting. Sometimes people come to me and say, well, you're blessed with a long-term marriage. And I am so thankful for a long-term marriage. And, and sometimes people say, well, you don't understand. My wife and I, we have this, this irreconcilable difference between us. And I don't think we can continue on this marriage. I said, you know what? I want to let you know something for 32 years. My wife and I have had irreconcilable differences. That's right. Yeah, we have had irreconcilable differences for 32 years. I've discovered something about my wife. I don't have to always see eye to eye with her to walk hand in hand. I've learned that sometimes we're going to just learn to disagree on some things. But, uh, you know, Billy Graham said this. He and his wife, Ruth, were married for a long time before he passed on. And he said, you know, in marriage if both of you always think alike and both of you always respond alike, well, one of you is not necessary. You know, when you think about marriage, uh, there's a little friction that is designed within marriage. And not all of that is bad. You know, I, I think about Rocky Balboa, right? And, uh, and 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 he said about his wife, well, well, she's got gaps and I got gaps and together we fill each other's gaps. And And, and as you think about the fact that you are sometimes... Going to have a relationship with God where it feels like the peace is gone. But it's not a feeling. Listen, we are made at peace with God because God declared us justified. This is a peace that is given to us immediately, it's a peace that is given to us continuously. Paul says, This is a peace in which we now stand. That's present tense. In other words, we could say, I was justified. I am now being justified. You know, it's not a one and done thing. It's a faith that we will stand in during the most difficult times. We stand in this faith in the good times and we stand in this faith in the bad times. So when the bad times come my way, I remember I've been justified by faith. The God who declares me righteous is also the God who is with me in my times of trouble. And there's one other thing that we see about peace with God. Not only is it immediate, not only is it continuous, it is also ultimate, in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this is a future tense. This is the hope that does not put us to shame. Now, as you think about this, this is so good, realizing we have peace with God. You know, when Jesus was on that cross, the veil that was in the temple was torn. In Exodus chapter 26, we see that that veil was a divider between the holy place and the most holy place. Uh, In other words, the outer court is where everyone would gather, and then in the inner court was a place called the Holy of Holies. This is where the priest went once a year on Yom Kippur, and he would offer up the sacrifice. He'd put the blood on the altar. He'd go behind this veil, back into the Holy of Holies, and put this blood on the altar. It was a blood that was offered for the forgiveness of the sins of the people for the last year. And and as we think about this, this is a dangerous time for the high priest. The high priest would have little bells on the bottom of his robe, and he'd have a rope tied around his ankle. Because nobody could go beyond that veil except the high priest. Well, what's going to happen if the high priest doesn't survive? Uh, We can't go back there and pull him out. Uh, We can't go in there to get him. And so if they heard those bells... Stop ringing. They knew that priest was in trouble, and they would pull him out by that rope. The veil separated the holy, where the people men, from the most holy. When Jesus was on that cross, that veil was torn from the top right down to the bottom. In Matthew 27, it says that the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. I want you to know we are powerless to overcome sin. But when we are justified, we who were powerless because of what Christ has done for us become filled with power. You know, unfortunately, what we tend to do is we tend to try to cover over our sins. Although we're powerless against them, we try to cover them up. Kind of reminds me of the story of the man who purchased a white mouse. And he purchased this white mouse because he wanted to use it as food for his pet snake. He dropped his unsuspecting mouse into the snake's glass cage, where the snake was sleeping in a bed of sawdust. That tiny mouse had a serious problem on his hands. At any moment, he could be swallowed up alive. Now, obviously, that mouse needed to come up with a brilliant plan. What did this terrified creature decide to do? Well, he quickly got to work. He set to work covering the snake with sawdust chips until it was completely buried. With that, the mouse apparently thought that he had solved his problem. The solution, however, came from outside. The man took pity on this little mouse and removed him from the cage. You see, no matter how hard we try to cover or deny our sinful nature, it's fool's work. Sin will eventually awaken from the sleep and shake off its cover. And then we discover that we are in a world of trouble. You know, were it not for the saving grace of the master's hand, sin would eat us alive. But we are made not only at peace with God, but we have the power to overcome sin. You see, when we were without possibilities, we had no other options. We had exhausted every possible option you can imagine. When we were without possibilities, when we were without power, Christ died for us us there was no potential for us to escape there was no possibility for us to escape we didn't even have the power to escape even if we could find a way out of the mess we find ourselves in reminds me of what happened back in December of 2005 there was an apartment building in the bronx that caught a fire the flames quickly engulfed the third floor the third floor bedroom where a young lady was found with her little six-month-old boy. She was frantic as the flames began to trap her into her bedroom. She decided that she would open up her window, and she looked down and saw people gathered 30 feet below. And as they gathered 30 feet below, the oxygen was quickly leaving that small bedroom. She was quickly getting to the point where she and her little baby boy was having trouble breathing. Those on the bottom says, drop your child, we'll catch him. Drop your child, we'll catch him. She was afraid to let go of that child, but finally it got to the point there was no other way for it to escape. It was impossible for to get through those flames. And so with great reluctance, she finally drops that little baby and they catch that baby at the bottom. Then she finds herself in a bad place and she says, now what am I going to do about me? I can't get out. And it says, you drop as well and we'll catch you. And finally, she did. When I think about that, she was rescued from an apartment building fire, reunited with her child. Neither of them, thankfully, were seriously injured. When asked about this painful decision to drop from that window, this lady says, I prayed that someone would catch him and save his life. I said, God, please save my son. And he saved me and my son. Listen, when we were yet without hope, Christ died for us, and He gave us His power to live the abundant Christian life. We are at peace with God. We have the power of God. And then number three, we have God's purpose, which is proven by reconciliation. Oh, I love talking about reconciliation. The last sermon I remember my dad preaching before he passed on has been almost... 20 years since my dad passed. But he loved talking about the ministry of reconciliation. You know, every believer has this wonderful ministry, and it's called reconciliation. Look what Paul says about this in verses 9 through 11, or in Romans chapter 5, he says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And then Paul says, Not only this, but we can also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Now, here's something I want you to, to remember and hold it in your mind. You can know that you've been justified with God because you have the potential to be reconciled with others. Listen, the broken relationship between me and God was mended. It was impossible for me to be reconciled with God. So God took the effort. God provided the way for us to be reconciled with him. And so now, because we have been reconciled with God, now we are called upon to have this ministry of reconciliation. Now, I know that this is a tough topic to talk about. As a matter of fact, I I got a lot of comments from my congregation when I gave this message, because I think a lot of times we say, well, this is impossible for me to be reconciled with somebody. And I want to make a distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is something that is a gift that you give to somebody. Now, the word give is found in forgiveness, right? And so I can forgive somebody without being reconciled. If I am really forgiving somebody, my next step would be to try and to strive to be reconciled with that person. Uh, But Paul reminds us, if possible, as far as depends upon you, live at peace with all men. In other words, be reconciled with with all people. If it is possible, as much as it depends upon me. And I want to think about this for just a moment. Not everyone is going to be reconciled with God. Not everyone's going to have a relationship with Him because they don't want to have that relationship with Him. It's not that the power of God is not able to do that, and it's not that God is not willing that that happens. It takes two for reconciliation to happen. It takes one for forgiveness to happen. I can forgive somebody even if they never acknowledge their offense. I can still forgive that person. As a matter of fact, I do this often uh, to protect the sanity of myself. Right? I'm going to forgive that person. Uh, that person has has no uh, willingness to acknowledge this offense, but I'm going to go ahead and forgive. I'm going to release them of that because I don't want to carry that burden of being bitter toward that person. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and release that person. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to reconcile with that person. It takes two for reconciliation to take place, but only one can offer up forgiveness. When I think about forgiveness. In John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, there's a lady in our church that I love, and, and uh, she's in the hospital right now, and, and she is at a point where uh, she won't be here much longer. And so I went to visit her, and and I asked her, hey, uh, Jean, can you quote me your favorite verse? And she was struggling. She's kind of in and out of consciousness, and she started quoting this verse, John three sixteen, And we quoted it together with her, and we quoted several of the verses kind of together uh, as we were in a very tender moment in the hospital. But when you think about that verse, God so loved the world that He gave. When Christ died on the cross, He made it an offer of forgiveness to all. You know, all the sins of the world have been forgiven through Christ, but not all of God's people, or not all of humanity, rather is going to be reconciled with Him. In order to get to heaven, you've got to be reconciled with God. You've got to be at peace with God. Uh, Your sins are forgiven. There's only one sin that you can commit that keeps you out of heaven. It's not murder. It's not suicide. The only sin that you can commit that will keep you out of heaven is refusing the Holy Spirit. It's called blaspheming the Holy Spirit. When you reject the Holy Spirit, you will not enter into heaven because you've rejected this free gift. So imagine two friends are having a fight. It's a good relationship. They've enjoyed this relationship. Now it's become strained. They cease speaking to each other. Communication becomes awkward. The friends gradually become strangers. Such an estrangement can only be reversed by reconciliation. To be reconciled is to be restored to a friendship or in harmony. When old friends resolve their differences and restore the relationship, reconciliation has taken place. And so God gives us this ministry of being reconciled with others. Why do we do this? Because we have been declared justified. We have been delivered from punishment and we should be devoted in this ministry of reconciliation. Well, thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. I want to pray that the Lord will give you the ability to be reconciled with those people in your life where their relationships are broken. So Lord, we pray that you give us the power To initiate reconciliation I know sometimes it's awkward But we also know that you Work in the realm of the impossibility We pray that you give us the strength To be reconciled with our brothers And sisters in Christ especially In Jesus name, amen Hickory Ridge Community Church is located At 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia We meet at 9 o'clock or 1030 We'd love for you to join us For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.